Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher poet Pat Dixon of Olympia, Washington, with an introduction by MC Brad Warren. This set was recorded at the 1015 Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, who really doesn't need an introduction, this is one of the people who holds this place together with fingernails and grit and patience and a lot of positive energy. Pat Dixon. Thanks, Brad. I, I just, I supply the, uh, the black tape. That's about it. So, um, I did notice that several people were taking videos of the last folks that were up here. Any, anytime, anything you want to post on Facebook, if you're not already a member of the Friends of Fisher Poets Facebook page, join us uh, and um, please post those videos. It'd be great for people who can't make it to spend. There's a lot of those this tonight, so, so or this weekend. So this is going to push the envelope of my, of my time limit, so I'm going to jump right in. This is written for my first skipper. Um, his name is, was Jim, and, um, and this is called Boat Puller. And, uh, and I was a cook inlet gill netter, and he taught me how to, how to survive on a boat, basically. Um, didn't teach me how to catch fish. That was my own problem. Um, but a boat puller uh, pulls the net on board. Before there were hydraulics, there were boat pullers. And so it's a name for a deckhand. We are alone on the boat, a green deckhand and a middle-aged Norwegian, riding emerald rollers sprinkled with drops of gold in the late afternoon sun. And though you are teaching me how to get a salmon out of the bag without popping the mesh, I am somewhere else. Off the stern, I see myself, neck deep in Indiana, floundering in all those years of not knowing who I was, of how to escape who I had become. Drowning in aching nights, spent hoping for the moment I might know a way to set my feet upon a path of my own. While I'm picking fish with you, stunned at the sight of the sea so near and the mountains filling the western sky, I think of dry Midwestern cornfields and of lost empty days filled with a wish to leave, but nowhere to go. You bend over a red to show me how to use a fish pick, not realizing what is happening to me, how you are stripping away the web of my past life, pulling me through to solid ground. Thank you. So that, that and um, this next one are both from uh, the memoir I wrote and uh, my, at, at my wife's insistence on a way to spend the pandemic in a positive way. And, um, and she was right. So uh, it's called Waiting to Deliver and it is not a pregnancy manual. <clears throat> this is a true story for my son, Kessler. 
the connection. The season is winding up, and as my deckhand, I look to you for help. Tomorrow is the first big day, I remark, as we head out to the net rack. We gotta get this gear on and go for groceries. I wanna leave the river tonight. Your face falls, but I haven't noticed. I'm not feeling so good, you answer. I see your scowl. I'm in my skipper mentality, what your mother calls my jerk mode. So I'm quick to assume the worst. The worst. I think you just don't want to work. After all, you're 13, and though you like making money, you'd rather play video games than help out. It's just my first wrong assumption of the day. By the time I chew on that for a while, I'm angry at you. We work the gear in silence. I stew over what to do. I, I need the help, but I don't need the distraction of an attitude. You committed to working for me for the season, and I want to teach you how to live up to your commitments. Isn't that what being a dad is all about? I'm even more upset, and we haven't spoken a word. You go through the motions, but the tension between us is thick. We'll argue this out later, after the nets are on the boat. We drive to the cannery in a thick cloud of dust and silence. Home, hours later, after dinner, I'm starting to pack up. Got your gear together, I ask, knowing you haven't. I don't feel good, you answer from your bed. My stomach hurts, and I've got a headache. Look, I say, walking into your room, I need your help tomorrow. I'm sorry you feel bad, but you promised me that you'd go, go and we need to get going. We have to get out of the river before the tide's too low. You can sleep on the boat. I don't think I can do it, Dad. Your voice rises as you start getting upset. Can't you go? just go without me? No, I answer, my voice getting louder too. I need you tomorrow. I'm counting on you. I walk out of your room and down the hall toward mine. It's going to be a big day, and we really need a third hand to pitch the fish. And that's you. Come on. We don't have time to argue. No, Dad, you yell back at me coming out into the hall. I can't go. I don't feel good. You run back into your room and slam the door. What the hell? I mutter under my breath. I don't have time for this. Your mom, hearing the loud voices, comes down the stairs. What is wrong with him? I start with her. What is he? Hold on a minute, she says in a soft voice. He knows how big a day it is tomorrow. Something else is going on. She heads towards your room. Wait, I say, let me. I walk into your room and see your body under the covers, facing the wall, lights off, shades drawn. Hey, I say, trying to sound calm. What's really going on? Why don't you want to go? I told you I don't feel good. You pull the covers tighter. Leave me alone. Angry all over again, I yell back, proving that I can yell louder. I, I need you tomorrow. Just get dressed and stop this act. Get out of bed now. Come on. I raise my arms in exasperation as I march out of your room and down the hall. Veronica just stares at me as I go by. And then she disappears into your room. I'm angry. 
I'm embarrassed. I'm confused. I throw my clothes into my day bag like they were, like they were trash. I can't believe this. Not, to, not now, not today. I shake my head. Tomorrow is forecasted to be big and could make the difference in how we do for the whole season. It's too late to get anyone else, and I need the help. Why are you doing this? I hear voices come out into the hall. I step in the, into the doorway to see you, tears running down your cheeks in front of your mother. She puts a hand on your shoulder. Go on, tell him, it's okay. Dad, you say with a look that goes right to my core, I don't wanna go. I, I just don't wanna do it. You stop for a breath and look down. I can't stand all the killing. And I am no longer in the hallway with you. I'm on the back deck of the first boat I fished on, the North Sea. Fishing my first season as a crew, no longer a 48-year-old skipper with two children, but 27 and as green as can be. And I am watching hundreds of salmon come over the stern and I am stunned at all the death. Some of the fish will come aboard already dead. Most of them will die soon. Some struggle, some accept it, some are puzzled. Some actually look like they know what's happening and are resigned to their fate. If fish are like people, I think, then it's in this. They seem to die in as many ways as we. But the part that's hardest to accept is that I am partly responsible for their deaths. Confronted with this terrible sense of guilt and shame, I come closer to quitting fishing forever on this day than any other in the next 20 years. My anger and frustration with you melt like spring ice. I understand, I say softly, because suddenly I do. I understand completely. We hug and talk, and I tell you of that day and how I had a hard time with the killing too. I explain the nature of it, how fish, how fish, how, how we are harvesting the source of healthy food just at the fish, as fish are at the end of their lives. You listen, we arrive at a compromise. You nod, so you'll help me with the boat work when we get back to the dock? You nod and look very serious. Yes, that'd be way better. It's a deal. See you tomorrow. I lean over and give you a hug goodnight. Standing at the foot of your bed, arms folded, your mother smiles. younger brother loved killing fish. I, I have no idea how that works, but he never, but Kessler never went fishing with me again, and, uh, and everybody was happier. And I learned a few lessons about being a dad. So this is uh, also a true story about, um, well, it's called Radio Fish. The river mouth is over 20 miles gone when I remember to turn the radio on. Fishing's good here by myself, Chris just said, 
and I finally know which way to head. I saw a boat picking a little east of me, and he had steady fish from what I could see. I turned the wheel to where I know he set out 10 miles south by southwest. I know the route. I plug it into the plotter and push her to the max. The engine responds with a puff of black out the stack. Let me know what, if you see more. Sounds like you got room. I'm heading your way, I say. Should be there soon. We skip on top of the waves, spray flying hard. Got a bone in her teeth, they'd, they'd say back in the yard. At this speed, we'll be there in 30 minutes, 25 to go. But I'm impatient and twitchy, so I keep checking the radio. 15 on the CBs where a decent group hangs out, so I switch it over there and listen to the chatter for a shout from someone whose voice I think I might know and hopefully find a place to set that's good but closer to go. And on he comes. Seen a few up and down the line, he says, but the hooks where they're hidden looks like they're heading west. Damn, I know that guy. I grab my coffee and take a drink. I just passed him. He's, he's north of me, I think. Maybe five minutes back, the way we just came. I better check with Chris and see if it's still the same. I turn the dial, pick up the microphone. Hey, Excalibur, I say. Still getting hits there all alone? No answer. Probably picking fish like mad. But Rich comes back and, ooh, he sounds sad. Yeah, Pat, I see Chris picking his gear. and He's got a lot of fish just east of me here. Well, what about you, Rich? I ask him back. Are you seeing much now that the tide's gone slack? No, Pat, not a single hit since I laid her out. I sigh in frustration and twist the wheel about. Well, let me know if you see something in the next little while, I say. There's, there's a call back behind me, up north about a mile, so I'm turning around and going to head that way. Sounds good. I'll keep in touch. Okay. I run north, grit my teeth, and shake my head. We left the river late. Should have been early instead. If I hadn't started slow and set the net when I should have at opening, I wouldn't be doing this, I bet. My deckhand's start, starting to wonder if I'm coked up or juiced. We're running down the middle of the wake we just produced. Hey, Pat, Rich says brightly as I race the other way. Starting to see some action here. Best I've seen all day. Oh, my God, I scream. And, and I twist the wheel about with a yank to starboard, and we're heading back south. <laughs> Thanks, Rich, I answer. I guess I'm heading back toward you. I swear under my breath and look over my shoulder at my crew, and he knows not to utter a word. His skipper has lost it. it this has gotten absurd. So he busies himself on deck with a bucket and a nut and tries to ignore what he knows I forgot. But I'm caught up in it now. And I, so I can't help but wonder what's on channel 15. And I know, I know. I switch the radio over. 200 in that last shackle, I hear a voice begin. And I'm out west a mile from the fleet you're in. I look to the west and sure enough, there's a boat out there. But is it the same guy I'm listening to? Oh, God, this isn't fair. Thanks, buddy, I hear the northern boat say. That's pretty good, but I think I'll stay over here. We're not doing too bad, and I'd hate to spend the day running around like mad. Oh, he said it. Oh, I scream and grab my head. The boat roars on. I should be fishing instead. I bounce again on the waves of my own wake with precision. I'm stuck in a whirlpool, a vortex of my own indecision. The guys near me must wonder if I know what to do. I'm running around in circles like I haven't got a clue. Like an automaton, I check the channels and Chris is back on, talking to Gary. 
That rip was starting to suck something hairy, he says, but we got it all back, over 400 on that. I'm setting it out again before the end of the slack. Holy crap, that's right, I think. I need to get set before the tide turns. They'll show then, I bet. I'm east of you, on a little rip over here, Gary answers, all alone in the clear, I mean in the clear side of a clear muddy streak. And it's sure looking good, best show I've seen all week. What? East? Where are you, Gary? I cut in. Can you see me at all up north, running? I see a boat up there, Chris answers first. Are you balls to the wall, heading west for all you're worth? <sighs> no. I'm heading south, I whine, completely defated, deflated. This fishing with radios ain't all it's rated to be when it's all done and said. You've got to be smarter than the voice in your head. Oh, no, that's not you, Chris says with a sigh. I sag, feel hollow. I don't have a reply. Which way do I go, I think? Pick a direction or pull the plug and step off and swim away while she sinks. Chasing radio fish is driving me insane. <sighs> I take a breath, reach up, and turn the radio off again. Let her go here, I yell out the door and take her out of gear. I can't do this anymore. Thank God, my crew yells as he pe peels the net off the reel. And later, as we actually catch fish, I start to feel better and calmer. I like the silence just fine. This is what we should have been doing the entire time. We leave the radio off for the rest of the day, have, play cribbage, have lunch, and catch fish that way. Day's, the day's lesson is this. I found myself burned by radio fish and way too many turns. I don't know much, but on this one I'll bet you can't catch fish if your net's not wet. Thank you, Ray. That was Fisher Poet Pat Dixon, recorded at the 1015 Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th. 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow your winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 